0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. These are the words that Jesus speaks today to Peter as he's out fishing with his brother Andrew. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, all of whom you can see on the first four windows here in the church. And we're told that Jesus speaks these words on the banks of the Sea of Gennesaret, also known as the Sea of Galilee. Now, we might remember Jesus' words in a more familiar version found in the song that I learned as a child that comes from Matthew and Mark's account, I will make you fishers of men if you will follow me. These two synoptic accounts from Saints Matthew and Mark are very brief in the calling of these four disciples. They're pretty much just a sentence or two long. Jesus comes along, he sees Simon, a.k.a. Peter, and his brother Andrew, and he says, Hey, follow me, and they do. And then he sees James, and he sees John, and he says, hey, follow me, and they do. But St. Luke fleshes out the story a bit more for us. I'm not going to spend our time this morning going over all the ins and outs of the details of this record, but we heard the passage read for us just moments ago in our gospel lesson. Luke, in the fifth chapter of his gospel, says that Jesus comes to them after a night of fishing when they're finishing up and they're cleaning up their nets and they didn't catch anything. And Jesus enters Peter's boat in order to teach the multitudes of people that were following Jesus. And then Jesus performs a miracle. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets, Jesus says. And after a short rebuttal by Peter... He does it, and lo and behold, they catch so many fish that the nets begin to break and the ships begin to sink. And from this, Peter recognizes who Jesus is. Jesus isn't just rabbi. Jesus isn't just some wise teacher. Jesus here is Lord. Peter recognizes that to Jesus' word, even creation responds. And Peter's eyes are open to the true nature of the one who stood before him. Jesus is the Lord of all creation. And one can understand the fear of Peter. I mean, I think if we saw what happened, we'd have a bit of fear. We'd be fearful that we were about to capsize and drown if we were in the boat. We'd be fearful that someone or something so spectacular and so extraordinary just occurred before our eyes. I mean, we don't like things that we can't explain. And when there's no rational explanation of something that we just observed, it can be mind-blowing and perhaps a fearful thing because we have to acknowledge the one who was truly at work in and through it. And we'd be fearful of standing in the presence of the Lord. I mean, think about it. How many confirmands get nervous when they have to stand in front of the bishop? And that's just a bishop, let alone the Lord. But to Peter's fear, Jesus says this, Luke chapter 5, verse 10, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. That's the disciple call of Jesus to Peter and to Andrew, to James and to John. And it's a call that all four heeded. They left their business, probably to Zebedee, James and John's father, and they embark on a new journey as the disciples and eventual apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, fast forward about three years. Three years later, the disciples are now huddled in the upper room. Christ had just left them, meaning Jesus had just ascended to heaven. It was 40 days after the Easter resurrection and Jesus told them, stay here in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high and then you will become my witnesses in all the world. And on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection, the Holy Spirit comes down just as Jesus promised. We celebrated this feast a little more than a month ago. And on that day, after the Spirit descended on them from heaven and rested upon them in tongues of cloven, or cloven tongues of fire, they burst forth from the upper room like Christ broke forth from the grave. And what we discover is that Jesus' prophetic promise on the Sea of Galilee three years earlier now came true. As all of the ACNA, Anglican Church in North America delegates, gathered for an orientation before GAFCON in Jerusalem last week, Archbishop Foley Beach reminded us all of some things. And what was perhaps the most moving to me was when he said that we were sitting not far from where the disciples gathered when the Spirit of God descended from heaven and came upon them. After nearly 20 hours of travel from my door to that hotel, that's when reality hit as to where I actually was in the world. I was sitting just down the road, less than the distance from here at the church to I-10, or to Grand Parkway, or even to 290. Less than that distance, just down the road, from that first and most glorious day of Pentecost that we read about in the book of Acts. Acts tells us that on the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches what we have come to call Peter's first sermon. And in the imagery of our gospel lesson today, Peter casts a net upon the people of Jerusalem, a net woven and twined together with the truth of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 3 records the sermon, and Peter says, This Jesus whom you crucified is risen again. This Jesus whom you crucified is Lord. Peter casts the spiritual net of the truth of Jesus Christ and who he is. And what happens? 3,000 souls are converted unto Christ that day. 3,000! Now some of you watched the footage or saw the many, many pictures of that Gafcon group photo that we took on the steps of the temple and where we sang Amazing Grace and had a worship service. And these were the actual and the original steps of Herod's temple, upon which Jesus himself walked. And it was on those steps that the 3,000 converts that day would have come out of the temple walls to hear Peter preaching and to be baptized in the many, many purification baths that stood around the temple. Now, in that Gafcon photo, if you saw it, if you didn't, just ask me and I'll be able to find it online for you. We had close to 2,000 people. And it took us about an hour or a little more to get that photo set up. But friends, that's still a thousand souls short of that first century conversion. Three thousand souls. And that's just the first sermon. The catch of men that occurred was so great that people had to sell everything to help meet the needs of everyone. It was so big that the figurative boat of the infant church began to capsize and they continued to pour in so much so that they had to call others to come and help. Others are brought into the ministry of fishing men alongside the apostles and in caring for those who were baptized into the church. Now here's my point. The beginning days of the apostolic church were a fulfillment of Jesus' promise on the boat in the banks of the Sea of Galilee. I will make you fishers of men and that first day would lead to another day and that other day would lead to yet another day and then to another day ever casting, ever catching and the picture of this is in in Revelation St. John is in the, the heavenly realms and he sees the great throne of God and all around the throne, he says that there were a multitude of people from all races, from all tongues, from all of creation, all singing with one voice the praises of God. And again, it reminds me of my experience in Jerusalem. And I suspect you knew that I have to mention it several times because, well, it's just natural to. But talk about different cultures, talk about different experiences, talk about different accents, talk about different languages talk about different backgrounds and expressions, and talk about different cultural garb. Yet, from all across the entire globe, we gather together in one expression of praise, each embracing the diversity but enjoying the unity around the throne of God who has made us one in Jesus Christ. That's what St. John sees in his vision. But not 2,000 people in the year 2018, not just 3,000 men on that first day of Pentecost, but a multitude beyond number. That is the vastness of heaven. Multitudes beyond number. Now, friends, let me ask you this question. Where did that multitude of fish in our gospel lesson come from? And yes, the obvious answer, as it usually is, is Jesus. But more specifically than that, where did that multitude of Peter's catch on Pentecost come from? Or where does the multitude in heaven come from? If we were to ask those four individuals depicted in our windows, or any of the other twelve men depicted around our windows today, or if we were to ask any of the multitude proclaiming those praises of Christ in heavenly places, if we were to ask them, what would their answer be? Might I suggest their answer to you? Faithful obedience to the call of Christ. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Nothing grand. Not some great outreach program that costs thousands and thousands of dollars. Not some fancy advertising slogan. Not some citywide organized rally for Jesus. All tools, which can be useful, but ultimately, it was simply and faithfully obeying the call of Christ to follow him. And then, when given opportunity, simply and faithfully obeying the call to talk about him. To talk about Christ crucified. To talk about Christ risen again. To talk about Christ coming again. And I don't mean to sound like I'm belittling the apostles' efforts, because they did sacrifice, and they sacrificed a lot, including giving their lives to martyrdom, just as those who came after them suffered throughout many of the ages, just as many still do today. But ultimately, that's all they did. They devoted themselves faithfully and fully to proclaiming the name and truth of Jesus Christ Christ wherever and whenever opportunity presented itself. And the rest was really up to God. That's the nature of God. God works the increase. The Lord blesses the harvest. Master, we have toiled all the night, said Peter to Jesus. And what was the result of his toiling? Master, we've toiled all night. We haven't caught anything. The expert fishermen caught nothing. But at Jesus' word, they let down the net, even though it didn't make sense. And the nets break, and the ships sank at the catch. From the faithful obedience of casting the net comes God's blessing of the dropped. And it was the same that we heard in our Old Testament lesson this morning from Genesis 17. Through the faithful obedience of the single man Abraham, God would raise up and bless all the nations of the earth. The Lord blesses their faithfulness in listening to his word and acting. Now, you know that I can't end our time today without personal reflection and personal application. Because the word of God must be heard, but the word of God must also be embraced in thought, word, and deed. The truth is that the thought of Peter's first sermon and the conversion of 3,000 people that day is not the norm. Maybe perhaps if we were in a stadium of 50,000 people, we might have the opportunity to preach and have such a result of 3,000. But it's unusual to expect such a Pentecost in a single place. There are very few stories of Peter's Pentecost sermon and the result. And honestly, I do not believe God expects that of us. And I say that because the rest of the scriptures show that to be the case. As you work your way through the scriptures, you discover that it's not the big and grandiose workings of men that impact the world. It really is the simple and faithful obedience to hear and to follow him where you are. Noah, Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, David, and countless others. Yet it's through their faithful answering of God's call on and in their life that God used them to impact, in a ripple effect, countless people. And so today Jesus says to you and to me as he said to Peter, cast out your net. Everyone of us has an area to cast that net. We each have a circle within God's sea that our nets can be cast. It said that we all have an oikos, uh, an extended household of 8 to 15 people with whom we have a real influence. Pause and think about that. Who is your oikos? Who are those that if we were to overcome our fears, if we were to overcome our tiredness at the end of the day, if we were to focus our attention, who are those that we know we could extend the grace and truth to? that is found in Jesus Christ. And be honest with yourself. I know that's something I need to be honest with with myself. You don't need to have a big sermon. You don't need to have the the gift of eloquence. You don't need to have the gift of a powerful prayer. You don't need to have the gift of prophecy. You don't need to have a great voice of singing. You don't need some grand church-sponsored program. What you need is to have the truth of Jesus in your life. And to faithfully express that to the person or the persons next to you. Not just next to you here in church, but next to you as you move about from day to day to your oikos. And that one person or those two people who are caught in the spiritual net that you cast, whose life or lives are brought near to God as they're brought into the boat of Christ's church, will increase by God's blessing. One becomes two, two to four, four to eight, and so on, until the multitude is so great that we enjoy that vision found in Revelation. A multitude beyond number. Start with that, my friends. And don't worry about or give thought to the result. Let God handle the result. Just faithfully follow the word of Christ. Launch out and cast the net. If we do that, we might just be amazed like Peter at the draught of fish that will fill God's boat. I will make you fishers of men if you will follow me. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for giving us your Son, Jesus Christ. He died for us. He rose for us. He ascended for us. He sent the Spirit for us. And he will come again for us. Father, we know him to be the way. We know him to be the truth. We know him to be the life. And no one comes to you except to be through him. Father, we ask that we might have that truth renewed in our hearts this day and every day. It's easy for us to be wrapped up in the busyness of our daily lives, to be so turned inward on our tasks and our chores and our selfish pursuits that we forget the joy that is found in Jesus. Father, forgive us for those times of forgetfulness and renew a right spirit within us. Give us boldness and zeal to take that truth and to speak it in love with our neighbors. Give us strength to cast our nets in faithfulness to you. But most of all, Lord, bless our labors, that as we faithfully listen to your word and obedience, you might fill those nets to overflowing, so that in the fullness of time, all men of every tribe, of every race, of every tongue, might gather around your throne in praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.